since 2008, Marvel Studios has brought us over 10 years of cinematic blockbusters, and nothing will ever be the same. Can we, as mere mortals, prevail? Join us to find out. Peter Melnick, graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And Eddie Wilson, upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills, with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. True believers, the next chapter begins with another episode of The Marvelists. Reed Richards, Ben Grimm, Sue Richards, Johnny Storm. Together they braved the unknown terrors of outer space and were changed into something more than human. Mr. Fantastic, The Thing, The Invisible Girl, The Human Torch, and now the world will never again be the same. Stan Lee presents The Fantastic Four. Welcome everyone to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Malnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And we're also joined with our audio engineer, John Sherburn. And before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's episode, which is a special bonus episode, people, which is attached to our Joe Sinnott interview, Jolton Joe Sinnott, as on, he used to be on called. On top of, even. Exactly. On top of, to the side of, underneath. In addition to. And just merged in. It's like, you know, in the fly, kill me, that thing. But... <laughs> I, I want to make a reference to that movie. It was help. It was help oh, me. That too. Well, yeah. Help me. See, nineteen fifty-eight, I believe. But I also Cronenberg, nineteen eighty-six. Jeff Goldblum. Jinx, you owe me a soda. But anyway, Zoinks. Before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's episode, <laughs> let's tell y'all fine folks at home how you can get a hold of us on them. Our social medias. First Ow. off. Go on Facebook at facebook.com slash... The Marvelists. Give myself a fine follow at facebook.com slash Peter Melnick Podcaster. And I want to set Eddie up with a page. I, it's got to be. It's got to be like something like Eddie Wilson, rock sex star god, or something. I don't know. Or not. Or not. <laughs> Eddie Wilson, rock or se- not. Rock sex star god, question mark? Yeah. Apostrophe? <laughs> but anyway... You can also find us on Twitter at The Marvelists. Myself at Peter Melnick. And you can also find us on Instagram at The Marvelists. You can find myself on Instagram at Peter Melnick. Yourself at Eddie9193. And once again, John is on Instagram at JD underscore Sherburn, S H E R B U R N E. Also, you can drop us a line in our email bag, The Marvelists at gmail.com. Questions, comments, strongly worded letters, haikus cooking recipes smoke signals smoke signals telegraphs uh what else what else we could have hmm to be continued to be toboggans there'll be more (laughs) there will be canoes yes i love keanu he was great in john wick Mm -hmm. i can't wait for john wick 3 you can also once again listen to us on a wide variety of streaming platforms including iTunes, where you can rate, review, subscribe, and share. And I'm not talking about Sonny's ex-wife. Oh. <laughs> it's not like I made a tree joke, at least. Jeez. True. <laughs> Any- <laughs> but anyway, guys, once again, wide variety of streaming platforms. Streaming, people. Streaming. Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, and... Well, we already did the big and first at Spotify, so... Also... I think it was the, uh, SoundCloud. We'll pretend uh, Spotify somehow the big one. We we just 
we're up there with uh, all the different SoundCloud rappers. We just we have our own thing. You up know? there where we belong. We might be on a featured spot with Post Malone. We mm-hmm. don't know. But once again, when you're on Stitcher, you can go on stitcher.com slash premium and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelists. And when you do, you get a free one month of Stitcher Premium, and you get a crap ton of audio content, including the Smodcast archives, the Earwolf archives, the Nerdist archives, the Weird Al Yankovic concert archives, and a bunch of comedy albums. But most importantly, the reason you people at home want to listen to this, it is Wolverine the Long Night, and not Marvel the Long Night, but Wolverine the Long Night. Well, we know the company name. Well, we do. But... When you do, you get to listen to that, and it is in a serialized format of 10 episodes, and those 10 episodes are currently being adapted into a comic book. So if you want to know the story ahead of time, listen to Wolverine the Long Night on Stitcher Premium. And once again, that is only $4.99 a month after the free one-month trial, and people, you want to stay on there for that. You want to enjoy it. You want to love it. You want to just be like, I'm listening to podcasts. And that's really not much to that sentence, but it's beautifully crafted. Thank you. Here we are. It's like a craft work. Mm -hmm. Artisanal. Autobahn. (laughs) But (laughs) once again, Stitcher.com slash premium. Use the promo code at checkout. Marvelists. Yeah. Get a free one month of Stitcher premium. Cancel at any time if you feel like it. Have I canceled Stitcher premium? I don't think so. Nope, I have not. Never do. But in the meantime, gentlemen, Hmm. I've gathered you here today into the war room. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Gentlemen, stop fighting. This is a war room. Dr. Strangelove. Or how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. Good. Thank you. Very good. Gentlemen, this episode we are joined with Jolton Joe Sinat at the very tail end. But what we wanted to talk about before we get into that interview is one of the most iconic things that is associated with Joe. It is his run inking the Fantastic Four. Now, I guess out of all of us, I would say, who has read the most of the Fantastic Four? Eddie, how much have you gotten with it? Of the, uh, of the Kirby Lee run? Well, from from when I started, I got up in through, jeez, oh, before issue two hundred, let's say. So, but some, you read almost all of those somewhere in the one uh, in the two hundred series. Yes, I would say I stopped somewhere around the early three hundreds. So you read from issue point. one onward, at least from two hundred, maybe one seventy five, a little before that. Yeah, you're like me with Spider Man then, because because I read from all the way from Amazing Fantasy fifteen to I think I'm like a few weeks behind or a few issues behind now. Well, it's a heck of a lot more than me, but yeah. But with Fantastic Four, I've read I think up to maybe issue from one to eighty, something like that. Okay. Of the uh, Jack Kirby Stanley run, you. A lot less than all that. <laughs> is, it, is it negative one? Probably, probably not negative quite. You it's un- the minus one that was all all over the Marvel Comics titles in July of 1997. It was issue minus one. Did they do? They did a Fantastic Four minus one. Correct? I'm sure they left see, no title unturned. <laughs> now, now I want to check my Marvel Unlimited and see if it's even in there. Unlimited, but, okay. Yeah, it's the streaming platform where I can check all of the funny books. I'm reading Annihilation through that and the some Fantastic Four stuff. The funny books to me mean something else. Is that how you read most of your comics? Uh, it depends, honestly. I'm I'm I read them physically and I read them digitally. So like, okay. there's a lot. I read Unlimited. I read on uh, Comicsology with Comicsology yes. Unlimited as well. That's I've had Comicsology for a little while. I and Comicsology Unlimited is super cheap no, too. Yeah, That's like five ninety nine for like all the stuff they have, which like, isn't bad at all. I do wish they had more stuff like Dark Horse, like Hellboy and stuff like that. But cool. I digress. Mm, and digest. with <laughs> That's Eddie's line. You don't take Eddie's line. <laughs> well, he didn't say it. Someone has to. No, he was on a roll, a Kaiser roll, probably. Rioche. Oh, mm. well, it's a bun. Sorry. 
But yeah, with uh, with those runs, the Lee Kirby run is one of the most iconic runs in comics. And when you think about it, it's I believe we said it in the other episode the uh, why the Fantastic Four matters. But I would say the Fantastic Four is like the equivalent of Marvel's first family, and it is the great American novel of comic books because you see the progression of the characters, you see them form relationships, this and that. I probably am botching the concept of what the great American novel is, but <laughs> it's I all I'll just say is this. It has been credited as the great American novel. And I'm not talking about great American, the supermarket in the Northeast, but... Okay, good. I'm glad to have that clarified. Please tell me you were thinking that as I was I saying know. that. No, I, I was think thinking of. of who the real you know author authors were attributed to writing the great American novel, or it's just a catchphrase that people... Steinbeck? Who said? Yes. Well, that's I think Steinbeck in there. Sure, I'm sure there were a lot of people on the who road. said. Oh, it's been said of, of others that they wanted to. You know, they set out to write the great American novel, but instead, whatever happened. Instead, they did a Grand Union novel, which was also uh, an abandoned supermarket from the New Jersey, and they had it over. And I remember it. They also have it had America's it in this area too. And then there was Finest. I, I like how we're really just making this into a very... Uh, Supermarket friendly. Not just, well... Christides. Then we're going to have to mention Wegmans. And hey, I've never, I'll, oh, oh, I've never oh. been to a Wegmans in my life. I might have been born in a Wegmans, and I know I will die in a Wegmans. Oh, so well. if we need to talk Wegmans, y'all just let me See know. See that? John, the man with the plan. Mm-hmm. It's very organized there. Oh, it, it's great there. It's like a... First and only time up in Binghamton, and wow, the way those cans are stacked. You know, there's like 35 Language. of them Stop in it. Rochester. They're crazy. The original one's nuts. It's they're super huge. Can I can I name drop? We know the owner. Feel free. My to. wife and I, Peter Peter Wegman. Yeah, my last name's not Wegman Eddie, and no. I don't own a supermarket. No, you don't have gray hair either. They have the well, yeah, I do. biggest and his house wife, in Rochester, I think. They and his have wife, one of Michelle. the biggest houses in the whole area of Rochester. Well, they've got a place in Florida, also. I'm sure they have in more Fort than Lauderdale. two. Yeah. <laughs> we are we are friends. Yes, that's cool. That that's like a connection I did not expect to ever hear. No. <laughs> Hang on, we're going for a ride. <laughs> Eddie, do you know the person who owns Tops? Yeah, no. Oh, I know a general manager for Tops. The cards or the cleaning you company? That. It's a supermarket in New Paltz. Oops, <laughs> it's the only place I can buy food. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> that is the saddest thing I heard today. There is a shop right. There it's all in his delivery. Rent. That's why <laughs> they deliver too. Yes, the groceries. <laughs> So yeah, the great American novel. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where uh, we weren't, <laughs> exactly. But Joe Sinat's coming at some point. <laughs> he will. He will be arriving. Mister Sinat will be arriving. And yeah, with the Fantastic Four run of like the Lee and Kirby run, of course, there's a lot of really great Fantastic Four runs. You have the Walt Simonson run. You have the John Byrne run. You have the current Dan Slott run that's going on. What else do you got? You got the Jonathan Hickman run. And there's so many great runs, but they all. And with all due respect to all those guys, do pale in comparison to the Lee and Kirby run. There's just so much great content in there. There's so many characters that get introduced in that run that change the way the Marvel Universe is, you know? Yeah, but that's, you know, just a matter of paying respect and going back to your quote-unquote forefathers of this title and what they did and for how long. It's, yeah, it's over varied. 100 issues. So Yeah, it's varied so much, too, in terms of a writer or an artist doing so many titles within a, a month's period for for a deadline, where now it's not as many issues that a writer or artist will will do. Yeah, it's like maybe it depends. Like different reasons. I've yeah. seen it be maybe six to ten issues, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And pop quiz, Eddie. Duh. Fantastic Four had the most number of issues with the consecutive team of Lee and Kirby. What is the series that broke that record? And what creative team? 
I know. Yeah, I remember we had a question on that first part of that, on the Obsessed with Marvel, but uh, no. The team that won and beat them was Brian Michael Bendis and Mark Bagley with Ultimate Spider-Man. Oh, see, I don't know that at all because I don't even... So far back God, that I don't have any Ultimate it Spider-Man. Was so good. It's it. Mm-hmm. Have you have you read Ultimate Spider-Man? By the way, I know uh, we're talking I've, about. I've read some. I it's, it's don't read as many comics as you folk. How dare you <laughs> get get out of yeah, here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, with the Lee and Kirby run of the Fantastic Four, like I said, there's just so many characters. Eddie, off the top of your head, think of some characters that were in. You literally looked up. Thank you. But <laughs> n- name some characters in that run that first appeared. That you, from your knowledge, well, it it couldn't have, might not have been that they first appeared, but the first experience or exposure that I had gotten of them. I remember one that we just recently put up as a first appearance Friday was Blastar in that in that run. I believe it was the um, the Sphinx was in there as well. I'm talking about big names, Eddie. Not I'm just thinking is how many I, how many I can come up with. Not peg warmer action figures. The Impossible Man was in there. Yes, okay. That was, Somewhere a, that was and, a big one. And a big issue was number 200 with uh, Reed Richards going up against Dr. Doom. But I'm talking about the Fantastic Four by Lee and Kirby. Yeah, well, I'm going back to where I can, you know, <laughs> what I can Eddie, remember Eddie, and Eddie, where Eddie. I go from. But I'm I'm on, I'm staying, I'm trying to stay, so help me, ladies and gentlemen, on the Sinat component of what this is all about. Right. And remembering so many covers that he did and the pages within, of course, as well, from the run that I remember it starting with. But I mean, there's, like, think about it. One of the first appearances in Marvel Comics, the very first appearance of Black Panther was in the pages of Fantastic Four by Lee and Kirby. Yes. And if I remember correctly, that's actually inked by Joe Sinnott. You may be correct. You may be right. You may be wrong. No, I may be crazy. There, there. But it just may be a lunatic that you're looking for. Got it? Thank you, Billy Joel. Glass Houses, 1980. Sing us a song, you're Eddie Wilson. Now that's 74, okay? So that's just get your years in gear. Definitely different, okay. Now there were a lot of, in the early days of the Fantastic Four, a lot of first appearances. And I'm trying to, I actually had made some kind of notations about about who was in there. You have the early appearances of the Inhumans. Again, very first appearance. You have the first appearance of the Silver Surfer in number 48. 48, okay, right. You have mm-hmm. Galactus, you have Annihilus, you have... And again, these are characters that mattered in the Marvel Universe. Well, let me catch up to you a bit. For Inhumans was Fantastic Four number 44. Prior to that in number 36, it was the Frightful Four, which was written as an anti-Fantastic Four. Makes At least sense. the concept was. An evil FF. In issue number 26, the first no prize in the letters column... If anybody remembers Marvel yeah. reading them and the, the no prize, yeah, that was Again, where that first appeared. And it appeared in the pages of the FF. Mm-hmm. And even when you think about it, even major writers made their first appearance in the pages of the Lee and Kirby Fantastic Four. George R. R. Martin of Game of Thrones fame is in the letter pages of the Fantastic Four. Back up a second because, Peter, you have grievously omitted a major person oh, Lord. between, well, Black Panther came later in issue 52, but prior to that, you said Silver Major Surfer. Major Payne? You, you said Silver Surfer in 48, but between 48 and 50 issues, issue numbers was Galactus. Yeah. I, so, I did say Galactus right after. You did say Galactus. Then we just said it again. Or no, I did. You have number two, the first appearance of the Skrulls. Yes. 
Because I'm, I'm going through my Marvel Unlimited page and I'm looking through the covers and. Well, I just read read the True Believers run. That issue was of, of uh, number two, and yes, had the scrolls in there. Number four is the first reappearance in the Silver Age of Comics of Namor the Submariner. Oh yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Doctor Doom is what number ready? Five. It's quick. He's good. He's good. No, I wasn't even looking at him. You, I know. You are superhuman with it. Yeah. Let's I'm still see. on Namor. I love Namor. The shorts. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> short shorts. Borderline Speedos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who wears short shorts anyway? We wear yeah. short shorts. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see that. I'm not offering it as an <laughs> opportunity. Marvelous merch coming out. Let's we got that. a pair of spandex. <laughs> Jose. No way, Jose. Oh! Also, let's see what other characters we have that made their first appearance in the FF. You end up seeing the first battle against the Hulk and the Thing in number 12. 12, yes. Mm-hmm. And again, this is just within the first 12 issues, and it's pre-Synod era. I think that's a that's a Hulk in shorts also, by the way. Another, another wonderful mm-hmm. image. I mean, that's... Yeah, they had him in shorts. Hey, those thighs. For a while. <laughs> that hypnotize. <laughs> wow. You have the first appearance of Hitler in the Silver Age in number 21 with the hate monger. Oh, I thought he was around in like the 40s, 1940s. Well, no, in the, in the Silver Age of Comics. <laughs> oh, Silver in the Age comics. Of oh, okay. I was going right to the Captain America number one. Let's see what... Punch him right in the face. Yep. <laughs> Damn right. On the oh, cover. Oh, heck yeah. What else? You got... Just, again, so much stuff. And it's it's iconic coverage. That's... The run of the Fantastic Four by Lee and Kirby, and I realize this issue, this episode, not issue, this episode is like going off the rails in little parts, but to be completely honest, what we're talking about is such a crazy a- train, Ozzy Osbourne. Stop that, all aboard, ha 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 ha. Going off the rails, okay. Go in. <laughs> but with this run, it's consistently solid issue after solid issue after solid issue, and... One of the things I noticed during our episode with the guys from My Marvelous Year, their reading order, they practically just go Fantastic Four, like 1961 is Fantastic Four, one, two, three, four. But you got to put it, I think, in some kind of perspective. Let's go back to 1961. What else was out there besides Fantastic Four? Absolutely. where were they going to introduce these characters to? They had a couple year head start on anybody else. Just Well, just about a couple years, let's say. But, Eddie, characters that matter the most consistently one after the other after the other, yep. that's very rare. Like, the, the one that would be close enough would be Spider-Man. Mm, okay. Because Spider-Man, number uh, the first appearance, who do you introduce? You introduce, obviously, Spider-Man, Uncle Ben, uh, Aunt May. Then you end up going into number one. You end up introducing him uh, against... Number one meaning uh, yeah, who, Spider- who, Amazing Spider-Man yes, number one? Who, who did he... Who's on the cover The Fantastic Four? Yeah, the first, one of the him. earliest team-ups with them. And who was the villain in that issue? In Amazing Spider-Man number one? Yeah, off the top of your head. Do you remember? I thought they were just, it was just up against each other and him. It was a two, it was two stories pr- in one. Well, okay. They then. would, that, those early ones were a lot of that, I noticed. Okay, okay, right. But I thought the main focus of, well, it was the lead story was how Spider-Man proved himself that he could join the team because he was kind of looking to, I thought, and finding a place to f- fit in, sort of. And then, <clears throat> you know, after they had their fighting and so on, uh, he decided, you know what? I'm going to stay by my own. You guys, see ya. Yeah. And, again, characters like that where it's just consistently an entirely great run. Where There's very, very, very few, and I can skip this issue. 
And that's what the early mm. Fantastic Four, the first hundred something issues are. You can't really miss an issue because you don't know what new character is going to show up or what important plot points coming up. I'm wondering if we should, or and it's probably something that somebody could uh, look up and find out in the early issues, at least the True Believers Fantastic Four reprints that I've been reading, and I've, I think there have been at least 10 of them that I'm reading in, in the order that they came out. So I think I started with number two, and then number eight, and then 15. And in those, nothing seems to be continued in the next issue that I could, that I could tell. Right at the end of it, it does says it does say continued in the Fantastic Four omnibus that kind of thing, but it's nothing where the storyline necessarily continues through. You, know, you might drop in at the beginning of an issue and say, you know, we find Reed in his lab working on this doohickey experimental machinery. All the doohickeys, yeah, and nothing in a footnote with an asterisk says as seen last ish Stan whatever. And I don't know when that starts to be um, a change in the way the stories are going. And maybe, you know, the artists, the creators are realizing, hey, people are getting this month after month, so we can perpetuate a storyline throughout so they won't miss anything, or they'll be enticed to continue to buy the title. So there's that. And by the way, the first ever It's Clobberin' Time wouldn't be uttered by the thing until issue number 22. 22, okay. And I, as I was reading it, I was going through like the first 12 issues. He never once said it. And Weird. No. It's such an iconic line that's synonymous yep. with the thing. It's clobbering time. There's punk band songs where they, you know, reference mm-hmm. that. So sad. It's but it's crazy just how long it took for them to finally do that. Well, that's almost two years. That is a long time, actually. The dark years. Yeah, almost two. It's twenty-two months worth. Yeah, and just wow, like that. You you would think by then, okay, we're gonna get this, you know. Let's let's establish a catchphrase for this character. And I guarantee you, when Stan wrote that catchphrase, he didn't intend it to be as popular Iconic, as it was. Yeah. yeah, no, just let's throw it out there and see what happens. I mean, I remember in a couple of the early issues that I mentioned, uh, Sue using a flare gun, and there's that red four that's lit up in the sky so that the other members would re- respond to it and the, the current crisis that was happening. And then they all just got cell phones and said, screw it, that's how we can get a hold of each other. Oh, <laughs> better for the environment. <laughs> But, yeah. Eddie? Where do we go from here? Now that all of the children are growing up, you know, I did an episode at Toy Fair with uh, Jason Hilton of Pop Rock over in Rochester, New York. And he goes, where do we go from here? And you have no idea how hard it was for me to not say that. You have no idea. Why couldn't you? Why didn't you? I didn't want to cut him off. But you gave me the time to say the joke, Eddie, and... Did he keep going? Yes, he did. And going? And well, going? He was, go- he was finishing a sentence, and I didn't want to be rude. The man is six foot five. He would pulverize me. That was me. a smart move. Yes. Well, at least Lear. It wasn't being rude. It was being and... safe. <laughs> so. That's a self-preservation method. You could duck under. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, it Howard? was. Howard? <laughs> <laughs> I love every time his reaction to the. Because <laughs> it, it sometimes is. He, most... Sometimes he gets stuck with his. So, sometimes. <laughs> You've been doing it a lot lately. Um, You've been on a warg Future kick. Marvelous I, post in a Howard the Duck comic book, the panel that just says warg <laughs> in big big letters. You guys have to do Howard the Duck. It, we're trying to figure out when and how that can be done. If we do a Howard the Duck episode, it's going to be around the time of that. we got to figure out, Yeah, get you know, the whoa, whoa, whoa. wheels going. If, there was oh, no if. Oh. We, we talked about coming up with these solo effort, bad movie Marvel stuff that Howard was included and also Toxic Avenger. 
No, how, Talk Ziggy is a good movie. How the Duck it's is cheese. a good movie. I'm going to do stop that. Oh, I will never stop that. That's a foundational film of it my will happen. <laughs> upbringing. I will but, get to watch my $5 VHS uh, DVD copy of Howard the Duck. Nope, it's going to be VHS now. You're going to watch the VHS. It's not. I don't have it. It was a slip, but it was nope. a DVD get, that I did purchase. It on VHS. People, when you drop us a line in our email bag, if you have a VHS copy of Howard the Duck that you want to donate to Eddie, <laughs> send us the information and we are willing to take it. We'll post it. And so that say, look, somebody sent it in. Thank you very much. Now, yep. what am I going to do with this thing? You use watch a VCR, it. Eddie. Oh, yeah. Got a couple of those, right? If it still works. Yeah. Not with that attitude. It's got to work. It Three will machines, work. two of them, the VCR does not work. Oof. This episode is off the rails, people. Yeah. Next. It's like the Runaway Train by Soul Asylum. Runaway. 1993. <laughs> I will never get tired of that. I will never get tired of that. Just like dropping that Gamora figure. <laughs> that race car. And emotion obsession. Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. Well. 1985. 1985. Bowling for soup, anyone? Hey. What year? Okay. 2000, I don't know, 2003. 2001. Yes. <laughs> Again, he got it. <laughs> Damn. He's not even trying anymore, but he got it. This is, oh, my, man. This is my gift. It is my curse. Panama by Van Halen. 84 uh, for sure. See. This guy. This guy. This guy. This guy. Another anyway. couple of Fantastic Four first appearances. Issue number 11, which has the Impossible Man on it, but it also Impossible. features Willie Lumpkin, the mailman. Whose secret power was? Um, wiggling his ears. Okay. Yeah, I think I'd heard that once already. And then going a little bit further. Number Two more th- issues. Well, I was saying going a little further. Two number, more issues. No, number 33, because <laughs> I, I want to I throw this one out oh, there. God. This is Jumping. a cool Now we're out of order. Yeah. You're out of order. The whole <laughs> damn kidding. system's out of order. But anyway, number 33, because this is a really cool one. You look at the cover, it's utilizing photo montages, right? If you ever read the, sta- if you ever read the Jack Kirby Fourth World stuff, he utilizes that a lot, especially in the first issue he does in regards to uh, Jimmy Olsen. Fourth World? Yes. Stuff from where, when? DC, new, uh, the New Gods. New Gods, Mr. Miracle, the Forever People. World. Okay, all right. Jimmy Olsen, Superman's best pal or whatever the hell he was Jimmy called. Jimmy Olsen's Blues. There, but anyway, stop Spin that. Doctors. Stop that. What year, Eddie? 93. <laughs> See? <laughs> I'm impressed. I mean, people are going to check this. No, it's actually 91. It could be. I'm, within a year or two. I'm the hell. You know? <laughs> But anyway, anyway, we digress. The thing is with that, you know, issue, the whole aspect of the, uh, the uh, what's it called? The photo montages. Mm. The first ever photo montage that Kirby did in his artwork is on the cover of number 33 with Namor the Submariner, a.k.a. the second time they fought him, I believe. Or no, the first time he's ever a ally of the Fantastic Four. Okay. I, I own that issue. Nice. I was passed that down by a family member. That's very so, nice. And what's the condition of it? Crappy, but still, I get to read it. Okay. Those okay. green shorts are it was in love. it's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? <laughs> Those green shorts are in it's all that matters. It was one love. Yes, and the wings on the ankles. Did you say, who said one love just now? Cool. I did. I, I didn't. I heard one love. Someone okay, well, Carmen. loved. I mean, it was recently Bob Marley's birthday as of this recording, but <sighs> what day was that, Eddie? Because I know you know that offhand. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I draw the line somewhere. Yeah, Bob Marley. Your birthday, man, it's too. That's, August that's, 3rd. That's the line. I said recently. It's February. Oh, I thought you said my birthday. That's so what, that's what I think. That's what you said. I said August third, my birthday. So is Tony Bennett. August third. Anyway, next appearance that I wanted to <laughs> issue thirteen was the Watcher. 
And they also fought the Red Ghost, but I don't recall that character's first appearance because they're apparently on the moon and they face the menace of the Red Ghost with an invisible hand that's popped up on part of this cover of that, was, was that he, issue. Was he doing a shadow puppet show? No, you couldn't see. It was the just the outline of the hand. Dark Side of the Moon puppet Cast show. no shadow. <laughs> Pink Floyd. Groundhog Day? Oh. You said Dark Side I of the Moon. You, yeah, babe. you said Cast No Shadow. <laughs> Remember that review we got where it was incessant dad jokes? <laughs> Well, yeah, we, this is we, eight wrong. We've come a, f- a little ways from that right, to just no, music. Uh, Awkward uh, uncle jokes instead <laughs> of dad jokes. Yeah, no. So, Joe Sinod interview <laughs> coming up right now, everyone. I'm so sorry. <laughs> right now, we are joined alongside Marvel Comics legend, Legendary artist, inker, Joe Sinat. Joe, how you doing today, sir? Ah, not too bad. I'm a little tired from yesterday. Yesterday was a hectic day. And I was busy from first thing in the morning till the uh, show closed at night. In fact, they, they had to wake me up this morning because I, I overslept, and which is very unusual for me. Right. Well, now, Joe, when did you first get your start in the field of comics? Uh, 1949. I went to the cartoonist and illustrator school, and one of the instructors, Tom Gill, liked my work, and he asked me to be his assistant, and which I did. We were doing westerns and war stories and The Lone Ranger. So Tom Gill was the one that gave me my start. That's awesome. What, what was one of the most important lessons Tom had taught you as an artist? That's a good question. Let me see now. Uh, certainly, first thing he told me, he said, Joe, comics, it's not an easy profession. It, it takes a lot of work, and uh, you'll have your ups and downs, uh, which it did happen. And, of course, that was 68 years ago. And I'm still working with Stan Lee. Uh, the, I, I still work on the Spider-Man Sunday newspaper strip. And uh, I, I've been doing that for 28 years now. That's fantastic. So Stan is, he'll be 95 in December, and I'll be 92 in October. So we've got... 68 years together, uh, actually, and uh, so it, it's been a great association, and I don't know how much longer we can keep going, but I think doing what we're, we're doing, I think that is what has kept us going, really. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've read the comics, and they're fantastic. You know, my favorite moment in the Spider-Man comic strip, for example, is when J. Jonah Jameson gets himself a, an Iron Man outfit, and you can actually see he's got oh, yes. the mustache outside of it. It's, well, he's, it's so goofy, but I love know, it. He, Jameson is a great character because, uh, you know, he tries to be rough, and but he, uh, uh, he takes it on the chin, so to speak. He, uh, he and... Uh, Peter Parker don't get along, uh, but that—that's the way Stan wrote him, 
stand is such a, such a, it still is such a great creator that uh, he would make good uh, Jameson in the movies himself. I've never thought of that. That's actually a great idea. Really? I like that. Yeah. <laughs> now, speaking of great ideas, one day in the 1960s, someone's decision to bring you alongside Jack Kirby and have you work on his inks for the Fantastic Four. That was a pretty damn great idea, and you're one of the ones that made his art pop and made his art so bombastic, bodacious, other B words that are very positive, but you get my point. Well, of course, uh, Kirby, uh, J uh, Stan Lee, he did call me, of course, at that time I was doing my own penciling and inking, and he said, Joe, I got a story here by Kirby. It wasn't the Fantastic Four. And he said, but I can't find anybody to ink it. Of course, Jack was not an inker. So he said, can you squeeze it in? And I said, no problem. So he, he sent the, uh, the pages up to me. And he was very impressed how they looked. And he said, Joe, he said, I'd love you to do some more of Kirby's work. He said, you're making that look so good. So he said, whatever you do, I, I can still remember him saying that. He said, don't leave me. <laughs> now, one of the things that is so well known about the work between you and Jack is the fact that you both worked together on the series for so long. And what I want to know is, do you have any stories of working alongside Jack at that time? I love hearing Kirby stories. You know, it's funny. Even though we worked so closely together, uh, I had I never met him until 1976. Never met him. No way. And I never talked to him on the telephone. All all the work was sent to me. I lived upstate New York, and never went out of the city or to the office. Stan would always send me the pages, and I'd do them, send them back. Kirby never once in all the years I worked with him <laughs> never called me to discuss any of the, uh, the story or the art that we were doing. And uh, like I said, I finally met him at a convention in 1976 or 70, I mean in 19, uh, I don't know, we mixed up now, 1965, uh, five, Damn, hey, you gotta excuse me, I'm 92 years old. You're fine, sir, but, you're fine. Yeah, when I did meet him, we spent three days together at, at a, Marvel had a convention back in those days, and it was very successful. I don't know why they didn't continue it, but that was the first time I had met Kirby, and of course, since then, every now and then he'd call me and say, Joe, could you ink this uh, drawing for me, you know? But of course, after he left the Fantastic Four, I never worked with him again on, on anything. And I missed, missed working with him. He was so easy to work with. He, certainly he put a lot into his work, but uh, they were the big pages, and oh, I, I could work with a brush. And uh, like I said, I, I loved working with him. And uh, not to digress a little bit, but of course, the best artist Marvel had was John B. Semmer. Everybody would uh, agree to that. 
but Kirby was a pure cartoonist and he told a great story. He, uh, his, his books were, were so good and I worked on so many of his books. I, so I worked on, let's see, I think it's about, about 60 in a row of the Fantastic Four. Of course I did, the, I worked with him on Thor, also in Captain America. Mark! I was going to ask him, he knows exactly how many books I worked with uh, on Kirby. He's a walking encyclopedia of comics. That's awesome. Yeah, and of course, you know, when I worked uh, in my studio upstate New York, uh, I would do the story, mail it into Stan, but he'd forget all about it. I got another script or the pages or whatever. And so you forgot the stories that you worked on because there were so many different characters that you worked on and things ran together. So actually comic was very confusing and you didn't pay attention to what you had done because you looked forward to the new, uh, new story that you were going to work on. So uh, it's been a great, great business and uh, looking back, I have a lot of things to leave to my family. A lot of artwork and uh, ever since, well, 1949, when I did my, my first work that I did that was published. And uh, of course, here I am, what, 68 years later, and still doing the Spider-Man. And uh, of course, I, I love coming to the show. Of course, Mark loves the uh, conventions. And I do a lot of work, even now, uh, when I'm coming to the show, a lot of sketches. And uh, of course, Mark sells it to the fans, which they love. So. So I hope you don't mind me digressing a little bit. No, that's bit. fine, that's fine. I go from one thing to another, you know. Hey, that's the beauty of conversation. That's the best thing about it. <laughs> Mr. Sinat, before we go, I want to ask one thing about your work with Kirby. What was the one page that you were given of his work that you looked at it and you went, whoa, this is, this is the stuff I have to do? This is incredible. Oh, I love the first story I ever did, Jack. Uh, well, I did a couple of wet monster books and a couple of westerns, short stories. But when Stan sent me number five of the Fantastic Four, it was the first appearance of Doctor Doom. I was I really amazed. I said, "Gee, what what great characters, you know?" And uh, I enjoyed number five so much. But then he sent me number six, and uh, I, I had a small account with a, a company called Treasure Chest, and I had promised them I would do the life of one of the popes. Oh, no way! It was this story here, and uh, I said to Stan, Stan, I promised Treasure Chest I would do the life of Pope John the 23rd, pencil and names. And I said, I can't do the Fantastic Four. So uh, I did this in 1962. 
and there's a lot of work involved in it. That is gorgeous. Depending on so many. And uh, I could say, it, 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 it was uh, published in 10 different issues. So, but after I was done with this, I started with Stan again during the Fantastic Four. But that, we, were, we were up to number 44, Gorgon, and from Gorgon, 44, up to the 90s, I, I didn't miss an issue. So, uh, but I had to do this kind of work because I, I love doing biographies and, uh, and, and you know, and I love doing the whole strip, the pencil <laughs> and the, <laughs> the inks, of course. And, uh, Get wrong sided. <laughs> here, here I am back to work. In fact, I'm working on page two, way, way back here. And, uh, but that's me in 1962. And uh, so, <laughs> this, is, this has been a great book. That is fantastic. And Jimmy here, he's helped me a lot. The way it's designed, too, is just gorgeous. It, the way it's designed, the book overall oh, as well. Everything had to be so accurate that you know, the church itself, you know, looked at the book. They had someone checking it to make sure the vestments were right and uh, things like this. So, but you can see, I put a lot of effort into it. I love the I love the cross hatching on this part. Yeah, I used to love doing things like that. Which do you prefer doing more, stippling or cross-hatching? Because the stippling can be a pain, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, I love doing uh, biographical story, and uh, I do like this pretty good. And so they used to give me treasure chests, that is. They would give me the life, I've done the life of uh, Babe Ruth, Eisenhower, MacArthur, John Kennedy, all the prominent people in history, I've done their biographies, just like Pope John. And uh, you can imagine how, how interesting biographies can be. Absolutely. You know. Uh, I, I just love doing this kind of work. Those were the days, no, uh, no aches and pains. My son wrote this. He's the one I was walking around with. Back to the actor. Very interesting. It was my career up until 1960. So before we go, Mr. Sinat, I just want to let you know, thank you from the bottom of my heart, my partner on the show, Eddie, as well. Thank you so much for the contributions you've done for this medium and everything you've done to give back and just inspire people like myself and yeah, just all that good stuff. It's it's hard uh, to put into words, you know. It's been a lot of fun. I've met a lot of great people down through the years. 
a couple I didn't agree with maybe, but I think that's only natural. But hey, I love comics. I've been doing them since I was three years old. So that's, uh, what, 89 years I've been drawing actually. And uh, the thing I like about it is I'm leaving something for my family, you know? For years they'll be able to, to see work that I did. So uh, it's me and all the other comic artists, uh, our work, I hate to say it, but it, it'll live forever. That's actually, I had written a letter to Steve Ditko years ago, and in the letter I said something to him about his run on Spider-Man. And the same can reflect for yourself as well with your work on the Fantastic Four. As long as comic books are a, you know, a medium that's around, your work will be around forever and ever. That's right. And, you know, it must be a, like a cool thing to realize that, you know, you had that impact not just, you know, on the comic book medium, but pop culture in general. You You're know? right. I hate to say it, but, uh, you know, hundreds of years from now, Spider-Man will be as popular as the Mona Lisa. Yeah. Really. And, uh, uh, for Steve Ditko, I never met him. And uh, but you have to appreciate what he did. Oh yeah. And uh, but hey, yes, there are so many guys that uh, that are gone now. Jack Kirby, John B. Sema. I I can't. I couldn't say enough about them. And uh, it's just uh, it's just great that I was a part of that uh, era. Absolutely. So to speak. What's your name? My name's Peter. Peter? Okay, Peter. Just like the guy on your hat. Oh! <laughs> so, once again, thank you so much from all of us. Peter, it was my pleasure. All right, once again, big thank you to Joe Sinnott for being on the program today. That interview, I believe, if I mentioned at the beginning of it, was recorded at East Coast Comic Con over in Secaucus, New Jersey. And East Coast Comic Con is going to be returning in May of 2019. I will be there. John, will you be there? I will be there. Eddie, will you be there? I will not be there, unfortunately. <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to breathe in real deep. Same. I know I've been on a streak of three or four in a row, and now that streak is breaking. It's the my streak turn, old man. is over. I'm, I am a little sad, but family calls. Happens. You must answer. I can't be there from Philadelphia for a law school graduation of our nephew. Oof. You can be Skyped in, Eddie. <laughs> oh, that would make it worse. You hold a sign for Congra- seeing what I'm missing. And it, it, hold a sign. The the, uh, the presentation is for or the uh, graduation is for who? Our what, nephew. What? Congratulations, nephew. And that's just his question mark. Nephew. Nephew. It is my nephew, right? <laughs> yes, we know that is a fact. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, once again, major thank you to Joe Sinat for being on the show and. When we were editing the audio, uh, John was editing it, and he got a kick out of it just because of how friendly that Joe was during it. Sweetest guy. Yeah. My f- best thing I think I've edited for the show before. You're actually going to be meeting him most likely at uh, East Coast Comic Con because he will be a featured guest. I'm sure it'll be great. So you get to meet him, and honestly, when you have the opportunity to meet people like Joe, take the opportunity because the knowledge he has is um, you know immense like everything he knows and yeah i think he treats he, he treats 
everyone more like an individual. A lot of people, like when you meet people all day, every day, all especially at stuff like cons and all that, it's really easy to treat them like the next person. But he yeah. ve- seemed very genuine. Yeah, and if you know he's going to be there, try to get there early in the day because you don't know he's he's in his 90s now. Dude, yeah. Yeah, I believe he's uh, 92. Or close, yeah, exactly. And so, and I've spoken to with his son on occasion. He's um, more in the, I want to say Schenectady area, but he's he's upstate. He does frequent the Albany Comic Con, which is a couple of times a year, just on a Sunday. Small little intimate show, but Joe tends to show up to that when it's close to his home. So it's not too much of a physical exertion in that respect. Um, but yeah, Dude, East Coast days. has been one of his one of his stomps as well, and uh, really nice nice guy. So I think that about wraps it up. And I believe this is our final episode for Fantastic February. Join us next Join us next year for Fantastic February 2, Electric <coughs> Boogaloo. No, we're not going to. Well, and maybe, stick. Maybe, what, what should we do? Freakazoid February. And we just go DC for a month because that's owned by Warner Brothers. No, we have Freakazoid's to just make sure DC, we cover that. the months that are still in this year. If we're going to cover all of them, we may not. But Fantastic February was a great start. Superman Smarch. We missed... Stop. We missed. We didn't think of anything, I don't think, for, for January. Jessica Jones, fun. January. Well, Three J's. J.J. Jameson, January. <laughs> J. Jonah Jameson, January. That's a fun one to say. Just it's crap. It's crap. Mega crap. You're fired. Let's see. What else? I'm trying to think. We could go with April. April would be a good one. April could be... Avengers April. Well, I mean, technically, it is going to kind of be that. That's where I'm going. Because we're going with, again, you know, maybe episodes devoted to favorite Avengers, blah, blah, blah. But we're, of course, going to have the prediction episode for Endgame. And we're slowly on the way there. John, since we've got you here for this episode. I'm here. What do you feel is going to be what happens with Endgame? Because we're going to get that every for each people. That's interesting. I'm... To me, I, I think it's guessing what they're gonna do for the film. I think is is difficult. I've seen a really a couple really good theories that I like. Um, I saw one just the other day. This isn't like for what's gonna happen with Endgame, but it's one of my favorite ones. Talking about Iron Man and how Tony Stark right now is uh, shown to be on his own in space, drifting through space, and people are talking about having that bookend the first Iron Man movie. Because in the first Iron Man movie, he's in a like cave with a bucket of scraps, and they're saying it's going to be similar where he's not going to get saved, he's going to bust himself out. Or it wasn't like with a bucket similar. of scraps, it was a box of scraps. Box of scraps, dude. Um, <laughs> that is seriously the most iconic line of that entire movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, so I think that... <laughs> One of them. I, I think th- that is the, to be honest. Pro- I've seen a reference outside of like no, yeah. those, and that's the line I hear. Yeah, no, so I, I think that there's going to be uh, a lot of that. I do think it's they're going to redirect stuff. Um, I... Don't expect too many people to be killed off. I, I think at the end of the day, most everybody's going to be well, there, a, but I think they're going to retire some characters or put them in a backseat role more 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 so than anything else. As of this recording, actually, the actress Gwyneth Paltrow announced that she is leaving the Marvel Universe, yeah, so yeah. she's jettisoned off into space or something. I don't know. Cause she's leaving him, the universe. We can write him off you know, in a couple of different ways. I, you know, I think that they're going to try, try to kill off as little as possible, um, but I guess, you know, who knows? It'll be interesting. Eh. So, we don't get to know. We just hopefully find out. There's just yeah. so many ways that could go with it. Like I don't even like the guessing too much because there's a hundred different ways that could go with it. But yeah. I think no matter what, the uh, next phase is going to be really, really interesting. But well, yeah. Eddie and I are going to save our predictions for the April episode. Ooh. Yeah, then I'll have a little more maybe on the ball as to what. Uh, that's the name of the comic book store that I remembered oh, in geez. our local town. I couldn't uh, think of it for the <laughs> life of me. 
comic books, trading cards, on the ball. The you, one that was in Monticello? Yes. Now I need to look it up if there's any like pictures of it online, because you would be surprised the stuff you find online. Well, I had a couple of pictures. Oh, you'd be surprised. Of the sore? Of the, not outside, but, uh, I'm sorry, not inside, but yes, outside. My, find those for me. I want to see those. My first radio days, there was a uh, painting, I think, of uh, Wolverine in one of the windows that someone had done. Please, please try and find those, because I really want to see that. Like, yeah, that, I'm talking the early 90s. Still. The radio station did a remote broadcast, I believe, from there. That is so cool. I yeah, I didn't know how cool it was till now. I guess then it was like yeah, okay, whatever. Well, that's that's the thing about like nostalgia. Like in we're recording currently in ninety five point nine VOS FM, the greatest hits of all time. And in the studio are some photographs. On the door is a WVOS when it was known as WVOS billboard. Yes, and it's from the nineteen nineties, and it's just such a cool visual to see. Yeah, and Never you you cool. dismiss it by like. Oh, it's whatever. I'm like, no, that's that's cool it's to see. It's from like, the 90s that I photographed it when I first got up here in 1991, the billboard and the the way the sign was done was from probably at least a decade earlier. I mean, it's it's in still good shape in the photo. It wasn't like deteriorating or anything, but it, it could even be back in the 70s when that logo was you know that way and AM was bigger then, so that was touted. Okay, Steely uh, Dan equally hmm. as well. As FM, no static at all. Oh, oh, they were FM. I botched that. You knew that. No, I didn't. Intentional bo- <laughs> I botched it. Wow. Fade in, Steely Dan. I guess so. It's one of the long intros. Yeah. Now I'm thinking of AM Radio, the song AM Radio that Everclear covered. But who was the original singer, Eddie? What year? Of AM Radio? Nah, now I'm... Now I'm oh, gosh. Mm-mm. His one weakness... I yeah, <laughs> songs covered by Everclear. <laughs> yeah, that's the topic. <laughs> it's not a bad weakness to have. <laughs> so before we go, and you're not gonna leave me. I'm hanging on here, <laughs> hanging on the telephone. Oh, Blondie, thank you. What year, Eddie? <laughs> no, that's not a year. That's what Alpha Five said on Power Rangers. <laughs> but Eddie, next 79. month, seventy <laughs> nine. Slow burner, right there. Same okay. out. Same as Heart of Glass. Same album, Parallel oh, Lines. Okay. <laughs> and it was referenced on a cover of X-Men Blue. The lead cut. Parallel Lines. Y- yes. Yes, it anyway, was. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Next month is what, Eddie? March. Marvelous March. Yes. <laughs> March. Oh. And it's going to be covering a plethora of topics. Ugh. Such as women in comics. And we got some stuff in store with that. We're going to be doing our Captain Marvel review, of course, when that comes out. Uh, and yeah. we're going to be doing... This is my idea, and want to run it by you people. I mean, we're probably just going to already record that like by next week or something. I don't know. But well, you know, just to be on top of things. The idea of the many different women in comics, the characters. We're going to also talk about creators. And when it comes to the characters, one idea I have in mind is, for example, talking about Spider-Woman. Let's, let's go with her for example. We might not do a Spider-Woman episode, but we might. We don't know. 50-50. Mm-hmm. I've never read much Spider-Woman. The only Spider-Woman I've read was during the Spider-Verse tie-in. Otherwise, I never really had an interest in the character, although I own her first appearance. Go figure that one out. But Because it's a first appearance. That's why. Yeah. Oh. But, Eddie, the thing about it is we'll talk about key runs, key stories, why people like the character, etc., etc. But one episode I definitely want to do on the topic of women in comics the many loves of Peter Parker. And it's not the many loves of Dobie Gillis. Let me tell you people that at home. The really, really old people that got that reference, 
why aren't you spending time with your grandchildren? <laughs> You're listening to this. Spend time with them. Well, I'll have how to did revisit. You find, how did you find this? I don't know. <laughs> it's his gift. Something. Talent? Mm. Pecu- peculiarity? Uh, I don't know. But yeah. Spider-Woman, I did read the first run, the 50 issues. Would have to revisit that. And then a couple other smaller runs, you know, followed before now, Eddie, I think when, Spider-Verse. When, yeah. you, when you revisit this, are you just going to walk up to the stack of books and go, Hi. Hello, books. And then walk nice away? Nice to see you again. Yeah, exactly. Sit and talk. You're visiting. One episode. One How episode, are the kids? One, one issue um, features Werewolf by Night on the cover. Carmine Infantino, the artist, who I did get to sign it. One of my first uh, shows that I'd been to. Dope. And yeah. So yeah, we've got some Spider-Woman memories, but. I but, would like yeah, a lot to of co- components to this. Uh, to this, not and you know, as much as possible, uh, I we will try to tie in to a lot of Captain Marvel things, whether it's issues, covers, um, storylines, appearances. You know, how cool was this? Look at this picture that we'll post. The the several versions of Captain Marvel from the beginning in the '60s um, to the Afro-American woman that was Captain Marvel for a brief Rambo. time. The son Rambo. of Captain Marvel. Rambo, I think. Let's not forget about him. You notice I'm trying to keep going. Uh, death of Captain Marvel. The first, I guess, Marvel graphic novel. And the first death in comics in Marvel. Well, no, yeah. not Bucky. Bucky counted. And Uncle Ben. Okay. And every other character, probably. That had a lot, every maybe character. more. If if not just the same impact, but maybe more of a significant impact. And we have... It's still the biggest we, impact because he's still dead. We could... That's uh, good. Bring, bring back the, the I mean, Jim Starlin. Family. To Jim Starlin interview that we did, and we spoke about about that and its significance. Yeah, I mean they can just listen to the episode. That's true. Bring it back. <laughs> Take an it's excerpt. Just as much work for us to bring it back. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. And there'll also be some other. I'm working on some uh, cosplay connection interviews that'll have that term in there, but it'll also be a part of people who I've met, whether through Facebook or at cons, and talk to them about what they cosplay as what characters they do why they do it and stuff like that yeah so march is going to be a little bit of a confusing month probably but here we are Uh, but there's gonna be a lot of stuff coming your way what else do we got the usual updates on marvel news weekly thank you peter you're welcome thank you or as much as the podcast episodes come out yeah it happens though but yes as does life. The universe. And the cereal. And everything. Mikey likes it. My mom knows his dad. That's cool. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> he likes it. Hey, Mikey. He's like a construction worker now or something. Uh, I guess. I don't know. Where are they now? In construction. <laughs> <laughs> building. Well, he's probably in a building, yes. Probably his home. Building, yeah. Bill Ding, the evil construction worker. <laughs> uh, it's Mr. Ding to you. Shout out to Disco Inferno. But anyway, before we go, people, yeah. how can people get a hold of us on social media? I'm glad you asked that. Thank you, me too. And John, are you glad I asked that? I'm less glad, but still glad. <laughs> glad all over. <laughs> Dave Clark 5. Stop that. 64. Glad. Who are you? <laughs> Eddie Wilson. How can you find him? Do, 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 do. I really want to know. Well, first off, you can go on Facebook at facebook.com slash... The Marvelists. You can find myself at facebook.com slash Peter Melnick Podcaster. You can find the show itself on Twitter at... The Marvelists. You can find myself at Peter Melnick. 
John, you're not on Twitter, are you? Uh, you can find me at John underscore Sherber, and that's John underscore S-H-E-R-B-U-R. Is that J-O-N? Oh, it's J-O-N. It's J-O-N underscore S-H-E-R-B-U-R. The H is not present. Right on. Oh, it's not. It's silent. It's not From present. From the spelling it's, invi- and <laughs> it's invisible. It's, it's just silent and all It's out of here. <laughs> you can also, 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 also find us on the Instagram, the IG, uh, as the cool kids call it nowadays. I don't. But Insta. I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, Insta. <laughs> Gucci. Anyway. Good Lord. Uh, anyway. Devolving, devolving, yeah, devolving. Yeah, clearly. Gucci, what year was that? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, go on Instagram at... The Marvelists. Give us a follow on there. Give myself a follow at Peter Melnick and yourself... At Eddie9193. And our super fine audio engineer... Uh, JD underscore Sherber and JD underscore S-H-E-R-B-U-R-N-E. But, but is there an at before it? I mean, mm. yeah. Cool. <laughs> All a, right. There's an at, not a uh before that. Uh, uh, got it. Make him say uh, like Master P, the No Limit Soldiers. Uh, it was really bad hip hop, uh, Eddie. Just ignore that. I'm, 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 I'm ignoring it. I I'm the guy that said it. So try to, but sometimes. But any, anyway, drops a line in our email bag, themarvelous at gmail.com. Questions, comments, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, also, you can find us on a wide variety of streaming platforms, including Podbean, Podbean SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, and the Biggin. Because Sp- I can, I did it properly. The Spotify. Spotify. And while, yes, I go on saying that it's the big and we really want you to go to Stitcher. <laughs> Please. So go on Stitcher.com slash premium and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelists. And for only four ninety nine a month, you're able to get a wide variety of content, including Marvel's Wolverine. The Long Night. And Weird Al. Yes. <laughs> but mostly Weird Al. <laughs> I mean, but mostly Wolverine. There we go. Oh, man. Gotcha. It's the W's. We like weird to have fun Wolverine. here at the Marvelists. Mm-hmm. Better than, better than having content. Huh? And one more thing. Also go on iTunes. Rate, review, subscribe, and share. We'd like you for it. Five star if you're ever. So inclined. Wow. So, for Peter Melnick, I am Peter Melnick. For John Sherburn, I'm John Sherburn. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior. And now, obsessed with Marvel, part, how many, I don't know. I gotta be presentable, Eddie. Peter gets presentable, John puts his headphones back on. My face isn't even on. Oh, boy. I need to get my hair did. This could be a while. Oh, lordy. (laughs) Yas, queen, and so forth. Let us pray. All right. Question number 962. What did the Red Skull do to Manhattan in Tales of Suspense number 90? This is my favorite Leonard Cohen song. In 1967. Long title. What did the Red Skull do to Manhattan in Tales of Suspense number 90? He invaded with his army of exiles. He used the cosmic cube to seal it off from the world. He destroyed buildings in a terror attack. Bill Ding got hurt? Bill, Mr. Ding to you. Or he captured and levitated the island into the sky. Oh. Tales of Suspense number 90. What did a Red Skull do to Manhattan? This is tough. Invaded. With his army of exiles. I don't know that he had an army of exiles. Used the cosmic cube to seal it off from the world. Did he have it that far back? That sounds like it, though. Now, wait, what issue is this again? Issue number 90 from 1967. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He had the cube? cube? Yes, I actually have an early issue where he's got the cosmic cube. All right. He destroyed buildings in a terror attack. Oh, poor Mr. Ding. And uh, 
He captured and levitated the island into the sky. Levitated? Suspense? Uh, yeah, that does sound like something they would do in that era. Tales of suspense. I'm, t- I'm messed between the Cosmic Cube and, and the captured B or D. I'm going with B. So we'll try B for the cube and... No. Oh, big D then, I guess. The answer is D. Why, why, don't I, why don't I listen to my Eddie Sense? Okay. Eddie Sense is He captured and levitated the island into the sky. Because I'm just so handsome and, you know, it's, it's persuadable. He needed so a Manhattan high. on the rocks. Maybe. I don't know. That's just... Ugh. That who needs that? Okay. Well, some, some hopeless drinker, I suppose. I don't know. 2024 is our next number. Good year. Yeah. Well, coming up. Come, it Weird. won't be here for a few yet, but, you know be a bright young 25 2024 year. and it's a little long because it's got a big paragraph because in some of these pages there's one in the center take a deep breath and there's a picture of the <gasps> monster frankenstein of that comic frankenstein. book title frankenstein so, here we go here we go here we go now marvels the monster frankenstein began in 1973 with a four issue adaptation of mary shelley's original 1818 novel issue one shown here at left you see it? You don't have the visual. Gary Friedrich served as the writer and Mike Plug as the artist. Stan Lee has long acknowledged that the 1931 film version of Frankenstein's monster was one of the inspirations for the Hulk. So it was fitting that Marvel would recreate a series, rather create a series, about the original. In addition to the Hulk, Marvel had also experimented with Frankenstein-inspired characters in The X-Men and The Silver Surfer. But rather than bringing readers the familiar, lumbering, inarticulate version often presented on film, Marvel wow. came up with a monster truer to Mary Shelley's concept. Intelligent, articulate, and complex. Later issues did not live up to the initial adaptation's promise, but the Frankenstein monster has remained part of the Marvel Universe, turning up in such unexpected places as Iron Man, The Avengers, Bloodstone, and Marvel The Lost Generation. The question is, where did the Frankenstein monster first appear in a Marvel Comics story? And where have all the cowboys gone? Where? <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. Is an echo in here? Paula Cole, 1997. Thank you. <laughs> where did the Frankenstein monster first appear in a Marvel Comics story? Was it the X-Men number 40, which was from 1968? Was it the Silver Surfer number 7 in 1969? Was it the monster of Frankenstein in 1973, that being issue number one? Or was it Monsters Unleashed number one, also in 1973? Where did the Frankenstein monster first appear in a Marvel Comics story? You know, it says the X-Men number 40. I do remember... A is my guess. I do remember the Frankenstein monster in an X-Men, but it was like 88, I think. So it's definitely not that. It's not number one. one It's also not one of the choices. It's not... You're saying it's not the X-Men number 40? No, I'm saying it's not uh, Monster Number One. It's oh. not Monsters it's Unleashed X-Men. Number I think One. It's A. It's Marvel. And it's not Monster of Frankenstein Number One. Monsters Unleashed was not a series, I think, until like decades later. It's saying seventy-three for Monster of Frankenstein and Monsters Unleashed seventy-three. But again, uh, Silver Surfer Number Seven, which is nineteen sixty-nine, and it was, again, it was Silver Surfer. 40. It was Silver Surfer, I think, because that sounds really like I remember reading that Familiar. and seeing him. Well. Let's take again. Are we going to take Peter's guess and I go with it again? A. I've you said, said a X Men number forty. I don't know what X Men number forty. I, without do, looking neither, it up, neither do I. <laughs> but I remember reading that. It's I'm not even Shema. sure when they did when they did the the uh, reprint. Was it Amazing Adventures? I think featuring the X Men. There was a uh, a reprint run in the '80s that did right. the early stuff, and I don't remember it being that. But should we take John's shot and go with X Men forty? Oh, I'll try it. A. Ah. No. The answer is. 
B, the oh, Silver Surfer. Yeah. Number seven. See? That's Holy why you're a host smokes. <laughs> All right, two down. That's 0 for 2. Let's go for two more. And Yikes. And we got to go. All right, 2044. We don't go too far Did up you? the line here. And that says, this should, should not be difficult, at least for me. What is the name of John Blaze's wife? Same as Johnny Blaze, I Debbie. believe. Debbie. It's oh. Debbie. It, is it Emma? Gertrude. Is it Roxanne? Is it Naomi? Eunice. Or is it Mona? What she's she was in the John Blaze's wife. Emma, Roxanne, Naomi, Mona. I know Roxanne was his love. And she don't his have girlfriend. to turn on the red light. <sighs> yes. You hey, if you're gonna to make reference. <clears throat> you don't put on you don't have to put on the red light. Not turn, turn on the red put, light. Toss. Okay. So do we have an answer? John Blaze's wife. Emma, Roxanne, Naomi, Mona. Mona. Really? I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm going with Roxanne, to be honest. I'm going with Roxanne also, because oh, I didn't okay. think it happened until much later, uh, possibly in that first run or, or later when they did bring him, bring him back. But let's try that. The answer B, Roxanne, is it? Thank Yay. goodness it is Roxanne. Okay. I turned on the red light. What was her last on. name? Do you know that? Uh, and her father, whose first yeah. name was nicknamed Crash, see. which is what happened, and he died. Aurora Simps. Borealis. How about Simpson? Okay, thank you very much. I was making a Simpsons reference as you said that. That's really funny. Mmm, <sighs> Butterfinger. <laughs> okay, 1084. Yeah, I got to file one of mine soon for income tax. Mm. Oh, that one. That's going to get lost in the shuffle. You stop that. Every day I'm shuffling. Do, 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 do. What? <laughs> That's the most modern reference I have. Don't call LMFO contemporary. It's true. Party anthem in the house tonight. Okay. (laughs) Who are (laughs) you? Dad, stop. (laughs) 1084, the question for the fourth one. Who were the parents of the young Avenger Hulkling? Mm. Is it A, Bruce and Betty Banner? That's good ones today. B, Captain Marvell and Princess Anel? C, Jennifer Walters and Wyatt Wingfoot, or D, the Super Scroll and Princess Annelle. Oh, that princess gets around. Oh, who were the parents of the young Avenger Hulkling? Two possibilities with Princess Annelle in there. I don't know. Bruce and Betty Banner, Brilliant. Captain Marvell and Princess Annelle. Not Captain Marvell. Jennifer Walters and Wyatt Wingfoot. I didn't know they were an item. They were, yeah. And the Super Scroll and Princess and now I'm just that seems like it. I'm just defaulting to to Bruce and Betty Banner because in a future story that I don't know anything about. Uh, I'm not. That's got to be Young Avengers, right? I suppose. Okay, so which one are you going with? Bruce a. and Betty Banner. I'm not going with that because they oh. never had kids. I know that for a fact. Oh, but the reason ha, I, my justification is the uh, the last one. Super, Super Scroll, Scroll and, and Princess and now yeah. what? Did Super Scroll go good or something? No, you you have a character. Look at Darth Vader. Evil father, okay. good son. Okay. Ha, foolproof. I don't know. I kind of want to go to Jennifer Walters and Wyatt Wingfoot now, but... <laughs> it, that would be... But I've never seen her prego. Her ego is never prego. It's true. She Le- never stepped on a Lego. Lego my... Oh, prego my ego. Lego, okay. I like watching all the synapses connect with everyone in the room. I don't know. Do you have a guess, This John? is a hard one. Uh, I'm going to let you two duke this one out. Rock, paper, scissors. I, I, I am yeah. I'm going to default to D with the Super Scroll oh, and Princess Anel and see if we can break even on this. D, and it's 
No, it's not no, D. No, it's A. It's B, Captain Marvel and Princess Anel. Who you and that's the one her. all of us said, though, that was uh, wrong. You said not well, Captain Marvel. Well, you vehemently said you no. You said it wasn't. Well, yeah. <laughs> so we just kind of like Record went out the shows. window with that one. So uh, We did. That's four. Never so listen. We're you know. one for four, and that's oh, where we're Oh, never listen. I'm the one that said <laughs> Silver Surfer, and no one went with that one. <laughs> Well, that was the most exciting oh, round of Obsessed with Marvel. Lord. Tune in next time when there'll be more, more, and more. more. Andrea True Connection, 1979, Eddie. Or 78. I'm going 77. Oh, 76. stop it. <laughs> Excelsior and stuff.